you want a brew? Hey up, you've come back. Where are you? Thank you for coming back. Welcome to Terrifying and Twisted. What we're going to do first of all is me and Callow introduce herself a little bit more so you can get to know us, feel like you're in the room with us. Um, current situation is me and Carla both sat on fishing chairs with a microphone in his bedroom. We are. And we're trying. Hopefully we get better and you guys enjoy what we're putting out. If you don't like what we're putting out, then please let us know. Let us know. Yeah, we can we can only get better if people give but, us some guidance. And there's no saying that we'll take any notice of you anyway. No, but so. you're not supposed to say that. <laughs> um we also want Lee to introduce himself, don't we? We do. But we think that's gonna be better waiting for Lee to do it because for people to understand just what Lee's like, get the Lee effect. <laughs> I think it's best he introduces himself. He won't take any offence to that. We've been uh, good friends for many years, so... We have. Um, what we're going to do is, every podcast, we're going to try and make it raw and uncut. Um, so there'll be pronunciation mistakes. Uh, some swearing. Some swearing. <laughs> Who don't like to swear, though? Some people get offended. <laughs> if if you do get offended by swearing, I'd probably say this podcast is not, not for be you. you. No, no. Um, I tell you what, we need to do as well. We need to let you guys understand how raw it's going to be. I've no idea what Phil's first case is going to be, and vice versa. Nope. So we've no idea. We've got such a mutual love for as documentaries, as research, and everything that we do when it comes to any sort of true crime into it um but what we want to do for for us podcast is as raw reaction yep that's what we want yep so carla what yes. got you into true crime do you know i remember a case about a little boy it weren't a mass like serial killer or anything like that but it were a few years ago and it were on news most people say like Ted Bundy, don't they, and mm -hmm. Rose West. No, it, it was nothing like that. Um, a little boy apparently just vanished out of thin air. Um, and I knew from get-go it just didn't sit right with me. And I remember sat with Lauren and Kerry and saying, oh, I call bullshit, basically. And it did turn out that it was his mum. Yeah. So after that, I got right into sort of true crime. But then when you started your podcast listening... You listen to so many podcasts, all big ones that have been out for years. Yeah, so you come home and tell me all your random facts. Exactly. So basically, a few years ago, um, I was a window cleaner. And part of being a window cleaner is you can listen to your music. Soon got bored of music. I've always had an interest in true crime. So I got on podcasts. And I listen to a lot of podcasts about your famous serial killers, your not-so-famous serial killers, if that's what you want to call them, famous. Um, my personal opinion is they're all pieces of shit. Some are just bigger pieces of shit than others. <laughs> I think that there's a difference. We're not trying to idolise them, are we? It's no. the case that fascinates you. Yeah. The, the motive or lack of... Yep. Because we've seen that many times. All nitty gritty. Yeah, and you know, you can watch as many documentaries, but until you've sat and watched a good few on the same serial killer, I don't think you get a big enough picture, do you? Because how many have we watched and certain, oh, they've left this out, or yeah. why aren't they mentioned that? So you need to watch a few to get sort of big picture. So it's not that we idolise them. No. We just find the cases interesting, don't we? We do. And... That's probably why you're listening as well, because you're well, just yeah. like us. Yeah. And do you know what? There's so many. Yeah. So many. Well, you know, we're in that many Facebook groups, aren't we, that have got thousands upon thousands of members. So, a bit of insight on me and Carla. Uh, we're married. Happily. 
Yep, going on nine years, been together 12. Yep, three kids. A dog. And they're all annoying. Yeah. You know In what? In their own way. That's the only time we're going to stop this, isn't it? Yeah. If one of three kids come and, and knock, because we are just in his bedroom, they kind of know what we're doing. Um, we're definitely not in a studio. No, we're not. We're just in his little house, in his little bedroom, with his mic, two fishing chairs set up, and just having a conversation. So, that's a bit about us. It's not much, but... I dare say you'll get to know us a bit more as the podcasts go on. Yeah, I think once we get a bit more relaxed as well, because a bit more natural, let's say. Yeah, we um, just we just want to be normal. I don't I don't like all the editing stuff. I know some stuff will need editing out, hence the kids. But apart from that, I want our reactions to these stories to be as natural as, as possible yeah, yeah definitely that's why we've got to again it will have swearing in um, so if you've tuned into this first episode and you've skipped past all shit that we've just spouted <laughs> we'll start getting into uh, stories so Phil's got you going first aren't you I've got to go first yes first podcast first case pressure so tell me so this podcast this story, sorry. This was one of those cases that just genuinely scared me. That takes a lot as well. Yeah. We've all heard about the boogeyman. Now, this vile creature is what I consider to be a boogeyman. All right, okay. A real life boogeyman. All right, interesting. Right, so here we go. I hope you've got your brews ready. Yeah, we love a good brew, as you can tell. Yorkshire folk, Yorkshire tea. Get your brew ready, get your alcohol ready, get your cigs ready, keep your kids out at room. Yeah, do do, do what, what you, you need, need to, to do, because we're going in now. Balls deep. Let's have it. Right, so I take you to a place called the Island of Jersey. Okay. Right, so... The island of Jersey. Is that just, not the really small thing? It's a small place, yeah? Is, yeah? Let me just get my notes up. So, it's a really small place. It's famous for its woolen trade and Jersey cows, which I've heard of. So, this is how small this place is. It's 46 square miles. That's it. That's it. Right, so, I'll take you back to 1957. All the way back to 1957, November. So, 29-year-old 20, nurse is waiting for a bus in, wait for the pronunciation, Monta Lab. Okay. <laughs> Sounds right to me. Um, so she's waiting for a bus. Um, this man approaches her, takes into her field, ties her up, sexually assaults her. Okay. The only thing that she can remember is that he smelled musty and he had an Irish accent. Alright. Okay. Coming March, so that's that's November. Okay. The coming March, another twenty year old female from a bus stop, rope round her neck, taken to an, a nearby field and brutal, brutally sexually assaulted. So he's took it up a notch? Yeah. All right. July that year, 31-year-old 30, female at a bus stop. So, yeah. Rope round the neck, Pardon. taken to a local field, and brutally sexually assaulted. Right. So now, the next victim, a young girl. I've tried to find her age. I cannot find her age. So, so this is so the fifth victim one. Yeah. But you don't know her age. No, this is a bit far victim. Right. But I don't know her age. It just says, all I can find out is that she's a young girl. But we're not sure how young. We're not sure how young. So she's from the parish of Groville. This is August 1959. Okay. Taken to a field, brutally sexually assaulted. Again. Yep. Yeah. Next is a 28 year old woman 
she lived in the parish of St. Martin's and she was taken to a field brutally sexually assaulted in October 1959. So, the police had linked similar things through the victims that had already been well, sexually assaulted. Yeah. So, what they got together was a man, early mid-40s, five and a half inches, five and six inches tall, Irish accent. Yeah. Uh, his M.O., obviously rope, tying him up, brutally sexually assaulting him. Um, allegedly, he wore, he wore a rope or cord around his waist. So he oh, so what are they, are they called monks? I'm not sure. They have the rope tied round, like, so it looks like they're in a long... Oh, yeah, yeah. Do, do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And the musty smell... Obviously, restrain the victims by tying them up, so he could have used that rope round his stomach. Yeah, for that. yeah. Okay, so 1960, the Beast of Jersey changes mo. He starts targeting people indoors. So he's took it up a notch again. Yeah. So victims become more frequent, frequent. Sorry, and a lot more violent. Valentine's. 1960, 12-year-old boy asleep. No way. In the region of Grand Vau, um, the Beast of Jersey climbed in through his bedroom window, tied a rope round his neck, led him outside, brutally sexually assaulted him. Next month, 25-year-old woman walking to bus stop in St. Brelade, I'm assuming that says. Uh, a car pulled up, offered her a lift, uh, basically saying that he were a doctor and he were on his way to pick up his wife. So she'll have thought no threat, won't so she? So she took the lift. Yeah. Um, took her to her field, brutally raped her, like the piece of shit he is, put her back in the car. And so his, he didn't kill her? No, he didn't kill her. All right. He put her back in the car, and as he was trying to put her back in the car, she got away. Now, the only thing that she could tell the police about him is he had a cap, a big coat, and gloves. She couldn't really see what he looked f- like facially. So he's obviously been properly covered up then, hasn't he? Mm-hmm. All right. So, March 1960, a 43-year-old mother and a 14-year-old daughter lived in a quiet cottage at St. Martin Parish. Um, they were awoke at 12.30 with the phone ringing downstairs. Right. Went and answered it. Nobody there. One hour later, they awoke to a noise at the bottom of the stairs. All lights go out and they can hear someone moving in the living room. I don't even know what you'd do. I'd absolutely fucking shit myself. Well, first thing I'd do is get me back yeah, but we're not talking nowadays, though, are we? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, they go downstairs. See, that's what I wouldn't do. I ain't going down there to check. The phone's been cut. And he appears. And it's dark. And it's dark. Right. So, the Beast of Jersey appears. He asks for money. So that, he never asked anybody else, though, did he? No. So oh, well, we don't know, actually. Basically, the mother came downstairs Yeah. to check this noise. Phone line's been cut. He stood in her living room and asked her for money. Now, as this is happening, he hears the daughter upstairs. Right. So what the mother does is she runs out of the cottage to raise the alarm. Leaving a 14-year-old daughter in there? Yeah. When she gets back to cottage, after raising the alarm, her fourteen-year-old daughter's there alive, but as you can imagine, she's been brutally raped, awfully raped by the beast of Jersey. My God! So, then we go to April nineteen sixty. Not a lot of details on this one that I could find, but allegedly a fourteen-year-old girl in La Roque. If that's pronounced it's right. Like somewhere new, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Awfully raped by this piece of shit. 
July 1960, an eight-year-old boy taken. He don't give a fuck, does he? Taken from his home, sexually assaulted, and then dumped back on his doorstep. Alive? On his doorstep, sorry. Yeah. February 1961, a 12-year-old boy in Mount Conchin. Same MO, led outside, raped, and dropped back on his doorstep. March 1961, an 11-year-old boy. Again. Same MO from St. Saviour. April 1961, 11-year-old girl from St. Martin's. So You're the, just getting more and more frequent, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, at this time, he's been at large nearly four years. Yeah. So... Uh, the island of Jersey decided to get the um, Scotland Yard involved and they appoint Detective Superintendent Jack Mannings. Basically what he did is he asked all islanders to turn detective. So press, they were issued with an identikit, which I'm assuming is like a description yeah, yeah. of this beast of Jersey. So, not a lot to go off though. Not a lot. Allegedly, it went like this. The beast has always struck at night. It only struck on moonlight weekends between hours of 10pm to 3am. Now, it got me thinking this, because obviously, in olden days, people used to leave the doors open all the time. Of course they did. Everything used to be unlocked. How many times my nana says to me, back in my day. So... There were no breaking in. He obviously had knowledge at Ireland. So they reckon he was an islander. Described between 40, 45 years old. Like I said, five, 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 six inches tall. Mustache, average build. Uh, usually wearing like a, a big thick raincoat, which gave off this this smell. smell. Yeah. Right. A peaked hat, a peaked hat, and some gloves. His face were always covered with a face mask or a scarf covering the lower part of his face. He carried a torch with him in his attacks. And on these on this torch he'd sellotaped over so it only let out a little bit of light. So not full beam. Yeah. His methods followed a distinctive pattern. His victims were selected carefully. Uh, usual method of entry was a bedroom window. Once inside, they were quick, quiet, usually blindfolded them, tied the victim's hands, rope round the neck, and then they were taken to a nearby field. So how and did he get them back out through them windows? I'm assuming he hadn't walked through the house. We don't know, do we? So they were obviously taken to a nearby field and suffered sexual assault, then returned home. Allegedly, the Beast of Jersey spoke quite often during these attacks. Uh, His voice was like a a really soft Irish accent. He'd mentioned a few times that he had a wife, a dead mother who died of alcoholism, that he'd killed people before, how interesting that he actually has that sort of conversation while doing such awful things. Mm. Very lonely man then. Yeah. Um, he often made a point that he dropped his cigs or his lighter. Oh, that's a really good um, tactic though, isn't it, to divert? Because if he's not a smoker anyway... Every possible man was looked at on the island. All men with criminal records were questioned and interviewed, but the beast was still not found. So, then we arrive at April 1963. So nothing's happened for the last two years. In them two years, is this when the police have been doing their investigations? I assume so. Yeah. So, April 1963... A nine-year-old boy from St. Saviour. So he strikes again. Same MO. November 1963, an 11-year-old boy 
In Saint Saviour again, same MO. July 1964, 10-year-old girl from Trinity Parish. August 1964, a 16-year-old boy from Grooville Parish. I think that's pronounced. So he hasn't got a certain... No, there's there's no pattern to ages. There's no pattern to male, female. It, no. It don't matter to him, does it? So it goes missing again. And we arrive at 1966. And the police get a letter. From, <laughs> from... Some, someone alleged to be the Beast of Jersey. All right. So it goes like this. My dear sir, I think that it is just the time to tell you that you are just wasting your time. What an arrogant piece of shit. <laughs> As every time I have done what I have always intended to do, and remember, it will not stop at this, but I will be fair to you and give you a chance. I have never had much out of this life, but I intend to get everything I can now. I've always wanted to do the perfect crime. I have done this, but this time let the moon shine very bright in September, because this time it must be perfect. Not one, but two. I am not a maniac by a long shot, but I like to play with you people. You will hear from me before September, and I will give you all the clues to see if you can catch me. Yours, very sincerely. Wait and see. No way. How creepy is that? I think he comes across as a very arrogant prick. One that's clearly... What's he wanting revenge for? Has he had a really shit upbringing? Who knows? Continue. (laughs) So August 1966. A 15-year-old girl. Taken out, brutally raped. And she was from Trinity Parish. Same MO as the Beast of Jersey. However, this time, there were strange long scratches, regularly spaced and parallel on the victim's torso, which I'm assuming would be like, kind of like a Freddy Krueger slash. Yeah. So... That's how I imagine it. Yeah. August 1970. 13-year-old boy in Valle d'Avaux. <laughs> if that's how you say it. Um, taken out of his house, torching his face, taken to the field, returned in the morning, threatened the child, said, if you tell anyone, I'll kill all your family. Nice. Um, but the description this boy gives is the perpetrator had black spiky hair and a mask. But I didn't always wore his hat. Mm. And the same scratches are found on the 13-year-old boy and the 15-year-old girl. And, and they're, they're... They're four years apart. Yeah, so is this not a copycat then? Right. So, allegedly, they interviewed over 30,000 people. That must have been time-consuming. Back in that day, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um... During this time, I've got a feeling that that that's not the same person as before. Do you think? Well, it's different. Well, let's see. At one stage, a lot of the islanders had a suspicion that it was one of the islanders, uh, going by the name of Alphonse La Gasteloy. Uh, it was a local fisherman. Um, it was arrested, but Question. then released through lack of evidence. However, the islanders felt that strong about Alphonse La Gasteloy. They burnt down his cottage. Nice. <laughs> in an act of arson. So, fearing for his life, he fled to a small group of islands where he spent 14 years living off the land. So he was run out of his he own home. He was run out of his home and the island. Nice. So, 10th of July, 1971. 
Officers John Riseborough and Tom McGinn. I can't read my own bloody handwriting. <laughs> McGinn will go with. Are out and about round the St. Helia area. It's about quarter to midnight. And a small Morris saloon car jumped some red lights while they sat there. Okay. So obviously police go after him. They chase him high speed for a few miles. This car goes on alongside the road, down footpaths, swiping past other cars, and finally it crashes into a hedge and stops in the middle of a tomato field, of all things. Right. So they get him? Yeah. Right, sorry, yeah, go on, go on. Smart field crashed. <laughs> so police write their own car off, trying to catch this man. Yeah. They catch him in Smart field, rugby tackle him to the floor, and he's arrested. They get him back to the police station. He's got a big raincoat on. On his shoulders are one-inch nails. On his lapels, on his jacket, one inch nails on his clove bands on his wrists one inch nails his lapels on his jacket one inch nails right he's got his trousers tucked in socks a bit like a chav <laughs> carpet slippers which could be why he's so quiet yeah <clears throat> woolen gloves and then they go in his pockets they pull out a torch with tape on for your better light Rope. Two lengths of sash card. Yeah. His peaked woolen cap. Empty sick packet. Rolls of tape. And a black wig with spiky hair. Oh, right. And the final thing that they pull out is the mask. Now, you people that are listening to this, if you have not heard this case before, as soon as you have finished... This case that I'm telling you, you have got to Google the Beast of Jersey to see this mask to appreciate just how fucking creepy this shit is. Right, come on, are you going to show me? Because I've never seen it. Do you want to see it now? Yeah, please. Two seconds. Sorry about this, people. I might as well see it now because you've told me. I don't want to wait till end. Oh my god! That's what he wore as he terrorised this small island. Them poor kids. As an adult, that's disgusting. <sighs> right, well, anyone that's listening now, maybe go Google. <laughs> <laughs> Google that mask and then you can see why it, it was pretty. Scary. Horrific. Yeah. So, police think, we've got him. This is his man. Yep. So this gentleman, well, say gentleman, piece of shit, Edward John Lewis Paynell, born in Jersey. So he wore a Jersey man. Yep. He came from a well-off family. He was a building contractor. Do you know what? Complete total opposite of everything that I thought. Married. A daughter, two stepchildren. How old? Now, Edward Paynell, yeah. according to everyone who knew him, was just a normal man. Like, a Your lot average. of these people are. Yeah, of course they are. Your this, normal average. This is the kind of man, get this, that served a month in jail during German World War Two for stealing food. For starving families. That's How the kind of man he appeared to be. My God. So, his wife, him and his wife, they separated after birth of daughter. Um, he lived in a large annex at the side of the house. Everyone thought he were a kind, nice man. Um, How wrong were they? He were... A bit of an insomniac, the thought, because he used to take late night walks. 
his no, wife. He was just out there killing all, uh, killing and raping these poor, poor kids. and Not killing. Oh, no, he didn't kill any of them, did no. he? His wife considered him to be normal. And she even thought he had a low sex drive. Now, at time of arrest, he had a mistress. But get this, his wife, Joan, has wrote a book about this. Right. So that would be interesting to read, wouldn't it? Yeah. Now, his wife, Joan, she ran a, a foster home called La Preference. Um, Ed, as we could call him. Um, it was the handyman for there. It was the Santa. He had the access to all them vulnerable children. Yeah, he would played Santa every year. They used to call him Uncle Ted. That's how... How sick. And in there he was. Oh, he were in there, wasn't he? Um, it were alleged that he had attacked some of these children at this foster home. Uh, they were alleged that he got uh, one of the young girls pregnant. Um, he used to chloroform, chloroform them. Knock them out. Knock them out, which is different to the rope. Yeah, yeah. So That yeah. wasn't enough for him no more. Mm. Um, so, he were interviewed. Now, what do you think he's going to say? Well, he can't exactly deny it, can he? Wanna bet? Fuck off. Fuck <laughs> off! <laughs> so he's interviewed. What What were you doing? Where were you going? Why did you run this red light? He replies, I'm on my way to an orgy. Right. He borrowed the car. The nails on his jacket. It was for self-defence. In case people knew martial arts at this orgy. What <laughs> 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 excuse? He didn't say anything about the mask and wig, even though he'd clearly got marks on his face where he'd worn the wig. Yeah. Um. So the search his own. <sighs> they found the musty smell. A <laughs> uh, few raincoats, homemade wigs. False eyebrows, photos of people's houses, black magic, paraphe- paraphernalia, a homemade altar. Oh my god. A large curved wooden sword hung on the wall. There were evidence of blood rituals and animal sacrifice. I don't understand how somebody to that extreme can be this complete polar opposite to every single person around them. Because that's not just, you know, we were a bit quiet, yeah. but you were all right. You know, everyone thought he was genuinely this really, really nice guy. Yeah. And he is on the complete opposite scale. Turns out he's a massive, vile piece of shit. Yeah. On a piece of shit scale, he's up there. Definitely. Right. So, it was alleged that he was obsessed with... A French army leader called Gilles de Rias, and he was best known for his reputation of a confessed serial killer of children. So apparently, he modelled himself on him, 15th century. Um, so, yeah, that's some fucked up shit. Um, I can't. The one that I'm really struggling with not being able to understand the complete difference in terms of how nice somebody can be. Yeah. To the point that he spent time in jail for stealing food for starving people. So he was willing to put himself in jail yeah. to help others. He had a wife, he had his kid, you know. To then this He played Santa every year. And he had he had this complete other life. Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah, 100%. Definitely Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah. So... I'm glad I didn't research him, you know. I'm glad I didn't know anything about him. Never explained why. He talked in riddles, point blank, refused to answer, or he'd say prove it. 
didn't give the police anything. So I bet he never admitted to sending that letter then, did he? So, trial in 1971, November. See, the letter, the letter was confirmed by his wife as this handwriting. Handwriting, right, yeah. Trial in 1971 of November. It was charged on 13 counts of rape, indecent assault, sodomy, against six victims, one being a minor. Why only six? Who knows? Maybe they didn't have enough evidence for, for the rest of them. But it is believed that he has over a hundred victims. Right. Because there's a lot of time. There's gaps in there. There's in gaps. Between, yeah. And what we've usually learned watching true crime, listening to true crime, is in these gaps, they tend to carry on doing what they're doing. I think once you're at that level, it's hard to stop, I think, anyway. Or I would assume it'd be hard to completely back away. Yeah. Um, so he'd obviously thrown red herrings to police yeah. because he wasn't Irish. Were he not? No. Didn't smoke? Didn't smoke. So, 1971, he has his trial. 29th of November. Uh, they take 38 minutes. <laughs> to come back with guilty. With guilty on all charges. So, two weeks later, he's sentenced to 30 years in prison, in Winchester Prison. Um, September 1972, a, a year later... He tries to appeal, unsuccessful. Right, so he gets released in 1991. Returned to Jersey. He went back to Jersey? He went back to Jersey. Fucking arrogant prick. And he'd only served between 19 and 20 years of his 30 years. Can you imagine how upsetting that's got to be for some of them people? How many of them people still lived? Yeah. On that island. It's disgusting. When he's gone back, who then would have been grown adults? Like I said, in my opinion, in my opinion, he's one of these pieces of shit, let's call them, that are a, bo- a, bo- a boogeyman. Yeah, yeah. Terrifying. Yeah. Absolutely terrifying. So he gets released and he returns to Jersey. Right. Now, as you might have thought, he gets hounded out of Jersey. And then he moves to the Isle of Wight and we don't hear anything from him and he dies of a heart attack in 1994. Good. And that is the Beast of Jersey. So he only were out three years then, wasn't he? Yeah. Four, yeah. Died of a heart attack. Good. I hope it was fucking slow. Did you enjoy that? Yeah. I did. Creepy, isn't it? Yeah. I, uh, I'm going to definitely, after we've finish this I'm going to go have a look because we've never I've never even watched anything with him I've not listened to a different a podcast I've never heard anything about him but no. these are the little cases that I want to know about yeah like, we know all Ted Bundy's and Ed Kemper's and Richard Ramirez I'm sick of hearing Richard's name especially well, after a documentary I've never heard of Beast of Jersey no I've never heard of him and when you know we said we weren't going to tell each other mm-hmm. I, I'm glad because it's like it reminds me of coming home from work and being excited to tell me about this thing that you've oh, listened the whole story. to. Yeah. <laughs> I'd get chapter and verse over tea. <sighs> Romance at its finest day, Oppo. Yeah. So come on. Do you want to hear mine? I do. Right, so <clears throat> I've chose to do my um, little case on a lady called Lisa Montgomery. She was all over the news early January. This year. This year? This year. She was all over. Um, Because Lisa Montgomery is the first female federal inmate, that's right, um, to be put to death by the US government in the last 67 years. So obviously she's been everywhere, all over the news. So that got me thinking. Didn't know anything about her. Absolutely nothing. Okay. What had she done that was so bad to um, to be put to death? Yeah. I will say before I start, anybody listening, 
just want to pre-warn you um it could be classed as maybe a trigger warning for pregnancy right right so i'll just put that out there so um lisa montgomery she was 36 years old when she committed the crime that she committed um the crime that she did was in december 2004 so it's not really that oh yeah it's not it's not old right so she's basically served 13 years in indiana right um and she was sentenced to death by lethal injection right right so should we get into the story let's go so Lisa Montgomery lived um, when she did this crime she lived in Kansas and her victim um, was called Bobby Joe who lived in Skidmore that were in Missouri is that how you say it? Missouri so Lisa married her teenage sweetheart let's say quite young they had four kids right in really a short space of time, um, the last baby that she had, sorry, just let me have a drink, the last child she had, she had quite prematurely, so the doctors advised her to have her tubes tied. Right. Um, I don't, I, I couldn't find exactly why um, they suggested it. All I could come across was she wouldn't carry another baby to full term. Right. So she agreed, and that was that. According to court, that was mentioned in court obviously later on, um, Lisa and her husband had to move about quite a bit because she was quite good at causing chaos. Right. Drama. Um, a Karen? A bit of a Karen. Um, a husband, he was called Carl by the way, he actually said in court that the lying that she would do it, it was that bad the act to move right right so that's a bit of a feel for her yeah she a bit cray cray <sighs> you yeah she's she's gonna turn out to be a bit cray cray so in 90s she faked being pregnant twice right even though her husband carl knew that the tubes had been tied can't obviously get pregnant is that a mental issue <sighs> who knows who knows but her and Carl then divorced in 1993 but they only they only divorced really briefly they remarried the next year my god don't know why you know this lady's lied to you twice yeah about as if you're going to be that stupid she must have been really good in bed something along them lines so anyway (laughs) in 98 she then asked for another divorce and she took the kids and she started a new life. Another divorce? Yeah, but that was final one. Right. But she then met a gentleman, um, apparently, according to people that knew him, he was just a really shy um, electrician. He was called Kevin Montgomery. He already had three kids from previous and don't forget she had her four. Yeah. Um, so in 2000, her and... Kevin Montgomery. Yeah. Then got married. So this were a second marriage. A second marriage. And they lived like this massive blended family. Right. So there were also were Kevin's Kevin's parents that lived with them. All the kids. It so must have been a big house. That was seven teenagers. Are you serious? Oh my god. We've got one. Nah. I'd be out of that. Fuck that. So from outsiders, they appeared as this just normal family and she appeared as this really loving wife that absolutely loved like lived for her kids she would die for him she'd do anything for him always talk about how proud she was um but she were a bit cray cray a little bit obviously there's, there's something there isn't there yeah um for her to fake being pregnant twice to a man who knows you've had your tubes tied but there was a little bit of concerns um from neighbors that the kids were a bit neglected they always looked like a bit scruffy a bit dirty Right. Sort of. So there were a little bit of concerns, but nothing major. She went with Kevin long. She's then faked another pregnancy. To another man. To to another man, Kevin. Yeah. Right. So she told people the first time that she 
miscarried. Right. Just like me had as well. Kevin knew she'd had a tubes tied, but he didn't know what it meant. He didn't think to ask what it meant. So even though people were telling him that she's had a tubes tied, mate, she can't, he didn't know that that meant she couldn't get pregnant. So even though she faked this first pregnancy, he genuinely thought she was pregnant. So you've got to understand that. she He genuinely thought... Right, okay. So he's obviously a little bit... Wet behind ears. Yeah, bless him. A few months later, she then faked another pregnancy. Right. So this is the second pre- fake pregnancy to Kevin. Sorry, this is... Are you with me? I'm with you. Right. But I'm just in disbelief. He only gets worse. This time, this pregnancy is going to lead to everything. And she actually went as far as giving everybody a due day, um, about the morning sickness, everything, you name it. And did all these people know that she wasn't pregnant? No, like, they believed her. Right, okay. So she has got people thinking she's about to give... She gave them a due date of December 2004. Yep. And it's going to be that lie that led her to this exact crime and why she was committed, right? Why she wasn't sentenced. So I'm going to introduce to you Bobby Joe. Bobby Joe were a 23-year-old, a wife to a gentleman called Zeb, who was her teenage sweetheart. Right. She'd married him in 2003, so a year earlier. Bobby and Zeb were dog breeders. Right. So they bred um, dogs that then, they were, they were called rat terriers. Right. She were a big part of breeding scene, Bob, Bobby Joe, and they did a lot of dog shows. Oh, so, so they like, well known. Yeah, yeah. So through the dog breeding, she was introduced to Lisa Montgomery. Yeah. Um, on a forum. So before Facebook and everything, you know, it were yeah. this were like a, a breeding forum. A forum, yeah. A dog breeding forum. Called Ratta Chatter. Ratta Chatter. Yeah, because obviously rat in terriers. I like it. So on the forum, Joe, like Bobby Joe, were a massive part. Like you, she'd be your sort of admin on a Facebook page now. Right. So um, she was really big on this forum, really active. Everybody always said same. Um, how caring she was by nature, and everybody spoke quite highly of her. Right. So, Bobby Joe and Lisa get chatting on Ratta Chatter. Bobby Joe announces to the group that she was pregnant and that she was going to have her baby and she was due in January 2005. Oh my God. Okay, so all exciting news. Her and Zeb haven't been married long. Yep, new baby. Not long after Lisa then announced to the group that she was also going to have a baby, she went into detail, obviously telling them all about how she would do. Um, she even made up a sick lie that she actually was pregnant with twins, but she lost one. So the one that she was currently carrying was uh, basically a surviving twin. This seems to me like a lady with a severe mental issue. You would think so, wouldn't you? Yeah. You would think so. But people on this forum began to get quite suspicious of Lisa because, like I said before, they did dog shows and things. Yeah. So a lot of dog shows, um, after they got the photos, they were uploaded to this forum. And members were, even as time got on, like, so Lisa... Why are you not showing? Yep, no way, nothing, no one. And this were quite close to the December, you know, to the due date that she'd given. People were a bit, don't understand why she's not showing. Mm-hmm. But even then, Bobby Joe never questioned her. Right. She never, she always said to other members that like spoke about it, she's never given me reason to not believe her. Right. In fact, Bobby Joe and Lisa became quite close because they then started privately messing each other. Oh God. About symptoms of pregnancy, 
um, about uh, names that they were choosing, you know, all normal what? things. And uh, am I right in thinking that this is Lisa Montgomery? She's she's already got kids. She's got four. Yeah. Yep, and don't forget her now husband has got three. Has got three. Right. Yeah. So let's continue. After after exchanging messages for quite a bit, Lisa and Bobby Joe met at a dog show in two thousand and four. Quite late on. Um in the late 8-4, a gentleman comes into this tale called Jason Dawson. Jason Dawson, again, is all part of the breeding group right. and everything. Um, he gets a email from a lady that was called Darlene Fisher. Right. Very, very, Darlene. Darlene. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Darlene Fisher. Jason, obviously, were a breeder of the Rat Terriers as, as well. He were also friends with Bobby Joe. The mem He were members of the Rat um, Chatter. The all old, yeah. big group. No one had heard of Darlene before. Yeah. But here she was, emailing Dawson, asking if he knows of anybody that wants um, any puppies adopting. Right. Basically, she spun him this tale that um, she really wanted to buy her kids one for Christmas. Okay. Um, so Dawson decided to point her in the direction of Bobby Joe because he knew Bobby Joe had some a litter due that'd yeah. be ready for around Christmas time. All well and good. He explained how she could contact her on the forum, on Ratachatter, give her links to her um, website because she had her own website and stuff. So, a message from Darlene Fisher was then sent to Bobby Joe on the 15th of December, uh, 15th, sorry, yeah, of December, and it basically read, I was sent your way by Jason. I've been unable to reach you by email or phone. Please get in touch as I'm really interested in adopting one of your puppies and would like to ask you a few questions. So Bobby Joe then replied saying, I have emailed you the directions so we can meet. I hope you got it okay. I look forward to talking to you tomorrow AM. So don't forget this is now what they think is someone called Darlene. Right, Fisher. yeah, yeah. So the very next day, Zeb went to work like normal, leaving Bobby Joe alone at home with dogs. She was waiting for Darlene Fisher as the deranged. She was on the phone um, to her mum, well, Bobby Joe. Uh, yeah, Bobby Joe were on the phone to her mum and she was saying that I'm, you know, I've met this lady. She's coming to look at some pups. Um, she's going to come by. Said her name was Darlene and that she. Which is how a lot of people get in touch. Yeah, of course they to do. My puppies, so it's nothing out of the ordinary. No. So then the doorbell went. So Bobby Joe said to her mum, I'm going to have to go. I'll speak to you later. She answered the door. But when she went to the door, it wasn't Darlene Fisher. It was Lisa Montgomery. Of course. Stood there. Before Bobby could invite her in, because obviously they were friends, she didn't have any, any reason to question why she was there sort of thing. Um, and don't forget, Bobby Joe were also eight months pregnant at this time. Yeah. So Lisa took out a cord out of her pocket and went on to strangle Bobby Joe from behind until Bobby Joe stopped struggling. Right? So did she kill her? Just... Go on. She then rolls Bobby Joe onto her back. With a kitchen knife, she began to open up her stomach. My God. Once she had made a big enough cut, she took out the unborn baby, wrapped it in a blanket, this baby or a little girl by the way, and she walked back outside to her car and drove away. And just left Bobby Joe. And left Bobby Joe. Right. What at, a piece of shit. At 3.30, Bobby Joe's mum decided to call in on her mm -hmm. and she found her laying there, blood everywhere as you can imagine. I can only imagine what... It, it actually turns out that Bobby Joe was unconscious. She'd not killed her. So imagine the horrific pain 
that woman would have been in. She's not laid in an hospital bed having a C-section. She's had someone butcher her stomach. I just, I can't believe, I, I can only believe, I can only just think of what she must have thought as she... Right, so... Did she regain consciousness at the let's, scene? Let's just... So she were unconscious, sorry. Right, um, in her head, she got big clumps of blonde hair in her hands, obviously where she's tried, she struggled. She struggled a little bit. Her mum obviously rang police, explained what she'd walked in on, um, obviously explained that she was pregnant and now this baby's missing. Absolutely no sign of this missing, uh, this baby. So paramedics arrive, um, unfortunately, Bob Joe died. Oh they were unable God. to, she was pronounced dead at 4.27. So not long, uh, like an hour after her mum found her. So she'd uh, suffered for about an hour and a half after Bob, after Lisa left. My God. So it was said that the baby was likely still alive because she was 38 week pregnant. Right. So just think about that. The police then had to do this massive media launch, this massive investigation. So the local sheriff at that time um, decided he was going to put out a number warning for the missing baby. Yeah. It actually took some convincing, apparently, from what I've read. They weren't allowing him to do it straight away because they didn't have any information. Remember, this baby has been taken from the womb, so there's no hair colour, no eye colour. We don't know if it's girl oh, or boy. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. So... It took some convincing to be able to do this. But the next day, um, on December 17th, this alert was put out. And all this news travelled like wildfire. Um, another breeder now comes into the story called Diane. Again, same scene, dog shows, far room, everything. She decided to contact the police off her own back. Right. To look in to this... Um, Darlene Fisher. Right. Because as she went through, she decided to look back on some posts yeah. on the forum and she came across one where it actually said on the 15th of December, um, Bobby had commented to Darlene saying she had emailed over the address, as right. I said before. Okay, yeah. So that then made her a bit suspicious. So she Person decided. Of interest. Yeah, go to the police, all this lot. So they started doing some digging and they ended up getting into all accounts, emails, sure enough, found everything. Yeah. But obviously they needed to then track down a Darlene Fisher, which we now know that Darlene Fisher... Doesn't exist. No. So, of course, that's how it all comes out, that Darlene, it actually, the police traced it back and it got them to Kevin Montgomery. Yeah. Obviously, Lisa's then-husband. Now, so... As the story for Lisa bit goes, after she walked out of that house, on the 17th of December, the day the alert was put out, Lisa and Kevin went to this local cafe to show off this bundle of joy. Oh, my God. This new arrival to their family, which, by the way, they decided to call Abigail. What did her, what did her husband say? So this is the story. She spun him. She told... Her husband and all friends, anyone asking, that she'd been out shopping the day before, so on the 16th, where she went into labour, in store. Um, she was then taken to the birth and woman's centre, where she went on to give birth to this baby. She up? then rang her husband, listen, she just rang Kevin. Right. And basically said, uh, I've, I've given birth, we've now got a little girl, uh, can you come and pick me up? From Birth and Women's Centre. Oh, I've done it. Just yeah, that's it. Done it. Sos me, you were late. Right? Nobody actually, you know, everyone bought this story as well. Fucking hell. That she just gave birth and she, you know, rang her husband. Bear, bearing in mind, it were Kevin and two of his teenage sons that got in car and drove over to the Woman and Birth Centre to collect her. They were all excited for this new little girl. Oh, so, meanwhile, FBI are now sat outside Montgomery House because they traced the IP of Darlene and it got them to Kevin Montgomery. Right. Obviously. Um, they basically just sat waiting for this rusty red car to turn up 
that the neighbour had mentioned previously. Obviously it did. Out of the car were Lisa, Kevin and baby Abigail. So FBI approached, they asked Lisa a few questions. Lisa spins up the same tale that she told her husband. She gave birth yesterday alone. She went into labour and out shopping. Surely they couldn't check that. Well, that's what FBI did. They went and checked and there were obviously no record of Lisa Montgomery giving birth. Um, So basically they just arrested her. Mm -hmm. As soon as that come back, they arrested her. Uh, But they actually charged her with kidnapping, leading to a death. Right. Not murder. Right, yeah. I don't I don't understand I don't understand why. Couldn't find much on it. Um and then it was soon established. Is that because she I, the, attacked her not to kill her, attacked her to take her baby. Yeah, but surely if something's been that far out, she's come up with this lie, she's befriended someone that's also pregnant with all purpose of stealing that baby. So obviously it'll premeditated. Yeah. Now did she expect to just go there? Not Bobby Joe unconscious. Well, she, and, she's not a doctor, is she, so? No. But anyway, so, um, FBI soon established that Kevin actually, like you said before, a bit wet behind ears, bless him. He didn't have a clue. Did not have a clue that this child wanted his child. Didn't have a clue. I'm not sure I'm having that. No, it's been extensively looked into, apparently. Right, go on. Um, it was said that he was the kind of guy that was easily taken advantage of I think he were a bit vulnerable mm-hmm. so I think that's why they genuinely believed he didn't have any sort of involvement in everything that happened right um, so obviously she was taken to trial and yeah she became one of the first women in the US to be sentenced to death um, and were placed on death row she only actually served 13 years, though, because that's why she's been executed this January. Apparently, laws are coming into change. So she's served 13 years. For that, and then she's been, then she died. Put Shrek. to death. Yep, 13th of January, 2021. Did she admit it all? Yeah. Right. Yeah, there were no reasoning behind. Like, she never ex- actually said why she did it. Yeah. Um, she admitted it. They tried to go down the um, manic route and said that she'd struggled all her life with mental illness. Yeah. They suspected a bit of bipolar, but there were absolutely no evidence to back this up. Like, there were no medical appointments, there were no medical doctors, she was never medicated or anything like that. So, that basically got blew out of water. They said, no, we, we're not having it. It obviously would... Like I said, premeditated, she'd thought a lot about it. So is um, baby Abigail back with her dad? Yeah, baby Abigail is now 16 years old and she now lives with Zeb. Oh, they also renamed her Victoria. Victoria Joe, after uh, like a mum. Wow. So yeah, that's my my story for you, my, my case. That's mad. Yeah, it blew my mind, which I then got listening to another podcast um, that did a feature on Bobby Joe and Lisa Montgomery. And they had, I wish I'd have wrote his name down now, but they had um, a gentleman there that obviously he was a psychiatrist that did a lot of evaluations for inmates yeah. in one of the states. And he visited Lisa Montgomery personally, had a lot of involvement with her, he did all her assessments, evaluations. And the gentleman doing the podcast asked if he, in his professional opinion, would he have ever said that she had a mental illness? And he said no. Really? Really. In all the time he spent with her, visiting her in prison, interviewing her, she never appeared Wow. as though she had a mental illness. Wow. Because there is reports that whilst being in on death row, that she's been quite manic and quite unpredictable. But he said he's never, ever experienced any of that. And he spent a lot of hours with her, according to to his interview. Wow. Well, so, I suppose um, we're best enders first episode. We're best, because we're, we're running into just over an hour. We don't want to bore everyone to death, do we? I've enjoyed it. I've, um, I was really nervous before. Yeah, we both were, but I think we've relaxed a lot, haven't we? So, um, if you've enjoyed the cases, 
by all means have a google check them out for yourselves please go google the mask because from phil's case because <laughs> you're not going to understand hopefully everyone that's listened this far anyway has already done that yeah they haven't waited till end because i couldn't um and let let us know if we did a good job um i'm sure at some point we'll have some sort of social media platform for you to abuse us on yeah we're hoping so yeah so it's a see you later from me and a see you from me until next time